0: Good to see everyone tonight. Glad Jenny's better. Yes. Exactly. Amen. Yeah, just let it go, folks. Yeah, Whatever it is that you're struggling with, just let it go. Yeah, yeah. You know. Draw out of the right side. Join it with the left. Yeah. And just let it go. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Well tonight I'm going to do something a little bit different and then I'm going to pray for some people uh, as a group prayer for those on Facebook Live and those that are here because I know some of us are still experiencing some after effects of COVID where taste and smell is concerned. And I'm going to, once I get to the 12 cranial nerves and we talk about those and I want to speak words of spirit of life and i want to see those two cranial nerves that have to do with smell and taste quickened
1: quickened to life
0: now the last time that i spoke a couple weeks ago we were in revelation chapter 21 i want to finish up revelation 21 tonight we talked from verses 1 through 8 but tonight I want to jump down a little further. So in Revelation chapter 21, and I taught this years ago. In fact, some of you will remember this little chart that I gave uh, you. Yeah. The 12 gates and the 12 foundations. And the 12 gates, if you recall, have the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel written thereon. The 12 foundations had the 12 apostles of the Lamb written thereon. And I shared with you how that that applies to our awareness, our awakening, and our quickening. In the left side, I didn't say it that way then, but I'm saying it that way now. In the left side, it's bringing, planting the seeds of the Christ into the virgin consciousness, into the womb, We know that the left side is that once they're joined, especially once they're joined, that projects out to the screen of our life and we begin to experience that joining in our walk, in our talk, in in our whole demeanor, in our whole life. So what I want to do is share with you just a little bit about how the gates and the foundations, when I taught it before, we applied it to our awareness. As I said, we applied it to what we go through in our process of awakening. But how many know, as we've been finding out for over three years, that our Father is just as concerned about our physical anatomy as He is our heart awareness or as He is our spirit. In fact, we are spirit, slowed down to visibility. And there's an aspect, every part of our physical physique as a counterpart in the invisible realm. And I've said this before. If they would do a CAT scan on you or an MRI, let's say, for example, of your brain, they wouldn't see your thoughts. If they did your whole body, they would not see your energy fields. And do you know, you have seven energy fields, but you have those are just the main ones. Your whole body's full of energy fields. That would not be picked up on any type of a scan or MRI whatsoever. So what am I saying? I'm saying we are spirits slowed down to visibility. First Thessalonians 5:23, and they amplified, says, "We're sanctified or spiritified through and through. Then it goes on and qualifies it and says, "In spirit and soul and in body." So every part of our body has, in our visible body, has a component that is invisible. That is invisible. Now what I want to do is I want to look at these gates and these foundations and as we put them together we will see 24. 12 gates, 12 foundations. 12 and 12 adds up to, if I'm correct, 24, right? Yeah. You and I have 24, 24 cranial nerves. 12 on the right and 12 on the left. And I'm going to mention those cranial nerves to you tonight. And I might continue this. I'm not sure yet. See how spirit leads. But would you like to go a little deeper in them? Would you like to go a little deeper in the different portions of our brain? And see some things that I have really not yet taught about the brain. See, when we put on the mind of Christ... You know, I've been saying we put it on in our awareness. We sow the seed, the sperm of the Word of God into our virgin consciousness. But let me say it in a little different way. You bring those seeds to your brain. They're planted in our brain, you see. But we don't want to think just by our brain alone or intellect alone, as we've been saying. But listen, our brain is just as important as our Christ mind. They just need to be joined together for the maximum experience that we could have. Now, if you're in Revelation 21, let's read verse 11. So just as Father is concerned about our spiritual well-being, He is concerned or has made provision. Maybe I shouldn't use the word concerned because He's not concerned in the way we think (laughs) of the word concerned. But... He gave us not only our spirit, but he also gave us our physical anatomy, our bodies. And we're the body of Christ. That has a physical component, but it has an invisible component as well. So when Father looks at us, he does not see our spirit and then our, what we used to call soul, and still do to a degree, we just understand it more deeply. So he doesn't see a spirit and a soul and a body. He sees one. He just sees one. He sees us as he brought us forth as. And so it's important for us to realize that ourselves, our bodies are just as spirit as our spirit is. Just as spirit as our spirit is. But somehow we've gotten this idea through religiosity that the body is less important. And that's why people believe in physical death today, because the body is just not quite as important as our spirit is. But they're one, folks. Now, look what it says here in Revelation 21 and verse 11. It's talking about the feminine part, the feminine principle of our being. And it says, having the glory of God and her Her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a Jasper stone. Now, the Jasper stone, I think it's in Revelation chapter 4, Christ Jesus is defined as the Jasper stone, and it speaks of the crystal, and it speaks of crystal clear understanding. So what this is saying is her light, the feminine principle, is joined with the jasper, the crystal, and we know in Ezekiel 1.22 where it talks about the terrible crystal, that's the Christ mind. So there's no difference between the Christ mind now and her, the feminine principle, light. The two have been experientially joined together. Objectively, they've always been one, but subjectively now, we've created a place of rulership as we've joined the two together, by planting the seed of the Christ mind into the virgin consciousness, or into the woman, our woman, and as we have done that, there's no difference between the left and the right. Now, it talks about the glory of God. Now, I've said this many times. Glory is more than just me falling on the floor in the glory of God. It's more than goosebumps on top of goosebumps. Glory means the view and the opinion of the Father. That's the glory. Now, I'm not against any experiences whatsoever. I don't want it to be manufactured, though, by our woman. Many people today believe they can't have a service or get together unless they manufacture some glory. Someone falls on the floor, or someone experiences this, that, or the other. Again, I'm not against that whatsoever. Love that realm, but listen. Sometimes it can be very fleshly because it's manufactured. Same way with the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes we speak by Spirit, and that's why Paul said they're in part. Sometimes we speak by our woman, speak by Spirit, right side. Sometimes we speak strictly by the woman. Now, if you notice in verse 11 that there's no period at the end of that verse, so it's not the end of that sentence. But it goes directly into the wall. Now, Isaiah talked about the wall being salvation. And the wall is salvation. And how many know we came here with salvation? Yes. Ephesians 1.4, 2 Timothy 1.9, we were saved. from We came here saved. Yes. And so what do we do to implement and experience that subjectively? We receive it. And receive means to take into oneself that which has always been ours. But it goes here in verse 11, not the end of the sentence, and it goes right into the wall and the 12 gates with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel written upon them. Now, what did David have to say in Psalm 24, 7? This is what he said. I'm not going to have you turn there, but this is what David said about the gates and the doors. He said, lift up your heads. What head is he talking about? Let this consciousness be lifted up. Amen. Listen. O ye gates, mm-hmm. and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The king of glory will present himself. Amen. He's already in there, but yeah. he'll come in, it says there. Mm-hmm. In other words, what that is saying is when we join the head, The Christ mind. How many know everything in our body is controlled by the control center called our brain? So the same is true in the spiritual realm. So what it's saying there in Psalm 24-7 is that our head or our joining the Christ mind to our feminine principle, what does that do? It opens up the floodgates. It opens up the door so that we can then experience the glory, Amen. the true view and opinion of the Father. Amen. And we begin to see as the Jasper, like the crystal, clear as crystal. Now, when I taught from Revelation chapter 4, if you recall, I shared with you how an Aquarian people look from Revelation chapter 4. how What does that look like? When the people are really experiencing the Aquarian age. And what is the Aquarian age? Well, it's the age of enlightenment. It's the age of the feminine. Not where there's some feminine movement going on as in the past, but no, a people realize the importance of the feminine principle as to bringing the mind of Christ, planting that seed into the garden or into the feminine principle. That's a part of the Aquarian age. It also means, the Aquarian age means the time of revelation is never before. It's the hour or the time of the feminine where we see the importance of joining the two together. And I shared with you from Revelation chapter 4 about the 24 elders that are seated in the throne. Now, if we're going to apply that, not just to us as a whole or in our awareness, if we apply it to our physical anatomy, the 24 elders represent the 12 cranial nerves on the right side, the 12 cranial nerves on the left side. The two are joined together, and they are seated at rest in the throne that they have created.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Now, God has his throne. Objectively, there's always been the throne of God in the heavens. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So we want to subjectively join the two so that we, because a throne speaks of rulership, because we want to rule. Yes. What are we going to rule and reign over? Someone says planets and the world and the earth. And Well, maybe so. But we want to rule over the lower thoughts that try to infiltrate through our woman. Yes. Yes. Remember, that's what happened to the woman in the garden. The serpent, which was the flesh, began to talk to her. Notice, didn't directly talk to the man, but talked to the woman. So we want to rule over those lower thoughts that would come. So if we look in the book of Revelation, and we did this a long time ago. The first time I incorporated the book of Revelation into the Mind-Brain Connection series was when we were not having services, and I did it from my home. And I I think I did, because we were out for quite a while from having services. And I I was talking about the book of Revelation in a lot of those messages that I made at home. And I talked about the great white throne judgment. The great white throne. It really doesn't say judgment, but everybody says it's a great white throne judgment. And oh, you don't want to stand before the great white throne judgment because you're going to be, you know, some are going to be going to heaven, and some are going to be cast into some eternal inferno where there's going to be weeping and welling and gnashing of teeth endlessly. That's what we used to believe about that. Thank God I never taught that. But there was a time I probably believed that. So this great white throne is what? It is simply the Christ's mind. Because listen, this is what we rule from. Yes. And when the two are joined together, you then subjectively create the throne or a place of rulership. And you have dominion. You don't take dominion. That's what he told man in Genesis. Have dominion, not take dominion. I think I used a real carnal illustration years ago about that. When I'm in my own home, and I go turn the water spigot on, I don't speak to it and say, Bless God, you better bring me some water out of this spigot, or I'm selling this house and getting rid of this. No. I just turn it on knowing that it's going to flow. That's having dominion. You just know. Once the two are joined, you just know That things are going to pan out the way they're supposed to pan out. Mm -hmm. Now, this city in Revelation 21 is a people, but more specifically, if you read my post from yesterday, more specifically than the city being a people, it is a consciousness. It's our consciousness. It's bringing the Christ consciousness to our individual consciousness or our individual awareness. And so these 12 gates here and these 12 foundations, as I've already stated, have to do with 12 cranial nerves on the right side, 12 cranial nerves on the left side, which enable us to be conscious and be aware. If you didn't have a brain, you would never know anything. Your body couldn't function. You'd never experience the presence of the Lord. If you didn't have a head, think about it.
1: If you didn't have
0: a brain, If you didn't have an awareness, you could never experience anything spiritual within your life. Now, another thing, in verse 17 of Revelation 21, it states here that the wall was the measure, notice, of a man. The wall was the measure of a man. In other words, the the wall and the 12 foundations and the 12 gates were the measure of a man. In other words, they have to do with us. And more specifically, they have to do with our awareness, with our consciousness. And then it goes on to say that it was measured in cubits. And remember the message we did way back at one of our conferences? And I shared with you how everything in the Old Testament and in the New that was measured by cubits will always come up to the number nine. And nine is the number of consciousness. Because a cubit is 18 inches and one plus eight, if I can add right, is nine. And nine is the number of consciousness. Now, let me quickly go through these cranial nerves with you. Remember, there's 12 on the right, there's 12 on the left. They all point to something not only physically as physical nerves, 12 physical nerves, although there are 12 physical nerves on the right side, the right hemisphere of our brain, and there are 12 physical nerves on the left side of our physical brain. But they all will point to something spiritual allegorically. All of them. The first one is the olfactory, O L, factory, F A C T O R Y, nerve, and it controls our sense of smell. Now, how can I express that or explain that allegorically? Well, if you remember the book of Exodus where it talked about, or Leviticus, one of those books, it talks about the priesthood and it gives 12 flaws that if they have any one of these 12 flaws, they cannot operate in the priesthood. And one of them was a flat nose. And the flat nose speaks of no discernment whatsoever. So this olfactory nerve that controls our sense of smell to those, as I said earlier, that had COVID and they lost their sense of smell, you know why? It was because the COVID damaged the olfactory nerve, cranial nerve. And so we're going to speak at the end, don't let me forget, we're going to speak quickening to the olfactory nerve. And we're going to see the sense of smell come back for those of you that have had trouble with that. Number two, the second cranial nerve is what is called simply the optic nerve. Optic, excuse me, optic, O-P-T-I-C. Optic nerve, and you can probably guess which one that affects. It has to do with our seeing. Allegorically, it points to the single eye. That's what it points to, the single eye. See, we we need to stop seeing and visioning things with the two eyes on our head. That gets us in trouble every time. And we give power to appearances all the time by judging and discerning according to the two eyes on our head. Now, don't misunderstand. Sometimes we need to look at some things in the appearance realm and realize, hey, something is wrong here, and maybe get some help if we need it. However... In the ultimate consensus, what we need to do is realize through the single eye that if I'll if look at that thing, whatever it is, and not see it just through the two eyes on my head, but if I'll view it according to what Scripture says or what has been written upon our heart and our mind, what that says about the situation, that's seeing with a single eye. Amen. That's not giving any power to it. So that's the optic nerve that has to do with seeing. The third one, and I'll probably butcher some of these up because some of them are pretty long words here, but the third one is the oculomotor, O C U L O, motor, M O T O R, nerve, which controls our ability to blink our eyes. And listen, why do we need to blink our eyes? Anyone know? For moisture, bingo, so that the, the eyes don't get dry. So what is it that causes us dryness, allegorically? Well, it would be literalism. It would be the letter of the word, rather than the spirit of the word, receiving and embracing the spirit of the word. See, it's the spirit of the word that causes us to be alive, to experience life, the spirit of the word. The fourth one is the trochlear, T-R-O-C-H-L-E-A-R, trochlear nerve which controls our ability to move our eyes up and down. So what is that talking about allegorically? Our spiritual lens needs to be moved up or down. In other words, we need to be fluid in our understanding of the truth. We need to be flexible. That's a better word. Fluid or flexible. We need to be able to move with spirit within us as spirit moves. Number five, the fifth one is the trigeminal, T-R-I-G-E, Middle, M-I-N-A-L, which controls sensations in our face, our cheeks, taste, it controls taste, and it has to do with sensations in the jaw. So when you're not tasting food properly, what is that? that has to do with the sensations of this particular nerve that has been damaged that is not working properly. Now, how would I look at this allegorically? Well, sensations denote feelings and taste and seeing and feeling after him. See, every one of our five senses, as they are yielded, as we're not just living out of the, you know, sight and taste and and feeling and hearing in the natural, as we yield those to Christ, then every one of those, you know, because scripture says we feel after him. Yes. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So we can see every one of those five senses, when they're yielded, have to do with what scripture says concerning feeling after him and tasting after him and, and really seeing him face to face. So that's the trigeminal. It has to do with taste and the cheeks and the jaw and so forth. The sixth one is the abducent, A-B-D, abducent, A-B-D-U-C-E-N-T nerve, and it controls side vision, peripheral vision, if you will. How many know that we need spiritual peripheral yeah. ver- yeah. vision yeah. if we're going to be able to handle the whole council of the Lord, the whole council of God. We have to see some things. Some people would say a little bit in the gray matter. What does that mean? A little bit in the gray matter. It means that I'm merciful toward people, and maybe they are experiencing some gray. Ma- see, everything didn't have to be black and white. I'm here to tell you, only legalists view everything as black and white. There is some gray matter. There are some exceptions where we give God grace and we have mercy with people.
1: Amen, amen, amen,
0: The seventh one is the facial nerve, which controls facial expression. And how often can we read in the scriptures where it talks about the countenance of people? What you're embracing dictates the countenance that you've put (laughs) off to people many times. The joy of the Lord. You can see the joy of the Lord on people's faces yep. if they were experiencing the joy of the Lord. I wrote a post this morning. I said, I am joy and Amen. therefore that's why I naturally bubble all over the place. Yes.
1: <laughs> I, know.
0: You're right. You're right. I am righteousness. Therefore that's why I naturally do what is right. Mm-hmm. Naturally do what is yep. right. The eighth one is the I'll probably butcher this, vestibuloc. <laughs> let me spell it, B-E-S-T-I, B-U-L-O-C-O-C-H, and that nerve controls our ears, hearing, and balance. Our ears, our hearing, and balance. And how many know if we are hearing with a circumcised ear, we have balance in our life?
1: Amen. Every area of our life we
0: have that. The ninth one is the glossopharyngeal, let me spell it, G-L-O-S-S-O-P-H-A-R-Y-N-G-E-A-L nerve, which controls our throat, our inner ear, and back of the tongue. So allegorically, what are we swallowing? Are we swallowing men's ideas, or are we swallowing the truth?
1: Yeah.
0: And oh, it tastes good when we swallow the truth. Yeah. Has yeah. to do with the inner ear. Again, you're talking about equilibrium. Balance. See, balance, equilibrium. Are we? Do we have equilibrium where the truth is concerned and what we are experiencing? The next one, the 10th one, is the vagus, V-A-G-U-S nerve, which controls both century. Sensory, excuse me, sensory and motor functions. This is the longest nerve of the 12, and it has something to do with our heart, has something to do with our digestive system. Do you know what happens if your vagus nerve begins to act out of whack? Have you ever had your vagus nerve do some stuff? I remember one time being in the emergency room with a, a nosebleed that they had to go in there in my nose and burn and all this mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And my vagus nerve was affected by it. Immediately, I started passing out, laying down. Mm-hmm. I immediately began Whoa. to pass out. So this being the longest one, and this having to do with sensory and motor functions tells me allegorically, it has everything to do, and it's the longest one, has everything to do with the senses, and how I move. In Him we live and move. In Him we live and move. In Him we judge, and we we'll talk about judgment in a little bit. In Him we judge. We discern whether it's lower thoughts, whether it's five senses, or whatever it is that's challenging us. Then the eleventh one is accessory, A C C E S S O R Y nerve, which controls neck and shoulder muscles. Now. If you remember what I talked about way at the beginning, when we talked about, I believe it was Jacob, we talked about him hugging Esau's neck and so forth, and I shared with you how the neck is that which bridges the higher thoughts with the lower thoughts. You move from the lower thoughts, the neck is that which bridges Mm -hmm. heaven and earth together. And then the 12th one is hypoglossal, H-Y-P-O-G-L-O-S-S-O-L, and it controls the tongue muscles. And that's very vitally important because if you did not have this hyperglossal nerve acting, functioning the way it's supposed to function, you couldn't speak. You know, some people can't speak when they have a stroke. Why? Because this nerve is damaged. It's been damaged, you see. And so each one of these, you have 24. So when we add the gates and the foundations together, then you have the 12 on the right hemisphere and the 12 on the left hemisphere for a total of 24 cranial nerves that as i said have control sensory and control motor the sensory part of us and the motor part of us so you can see how vital these 24 cranial nerves are they're very vital not only physically But they're very vital when we see the allegorical reality of them. Now, if you look in Revelation 21, 21, it talks there about what some people are just really confused about. And they'll talk about, well, someday I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to walk them streets of gold. Well, there's no place in the Bible where it talks about streets, plural, of gold. No place in the Bible you find that. But what it is talking about when it talks about the street of gold is when the two have been subjectively joined together and your walk is a divine walk. Oh, yeah. That's really yeah. what it's talking about there. And then in verse 23 it says there's no need of the sun or the moon. What is that pointing to? It's pointing to the fact that we won't we won't be after natural understanding. Wow. Natural light. Wow. Won't be natural light. Amen even today we're not after natural understanding or natural light in and of itself now there's a place for that but we're not into that in and of itself we want the spiritual understanding yes and of course we know that the moon is what emotions that's why the woman in revelation 12 had the moon under her feet her emotions were yielded to spirit and we know that the sun in the solar system It's a solar fire, and it has to do with our solar plexus releasing the energy and the light so that we can experience the enveloping of the pineal and the pituitary so we can walk in and experience the land flowing with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. Because the pineal has to do with the golden substance or oil. Pituitary has to do with the milky colored. And so all of this that we're looking at has to do, listen, it's one thing to apply the truth to our awareness and to our woman, and we need to do that. But what about the body? Yes, as yes, I said, yes. our physical anatomies were given to us. Read 139 of Psalms, and you'll see how important our physical anatomies, our physical bodies are. They're just as important as our spirit. Amen. And I shared early on how that the, you know, the helpmeet, Eve was the helpmeet, which means an equivalent. In other words, this isn't any lesser than this sign. Neither is our body any lesser. They're one.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: And they're all of great importance to the Father, and they should be of great importance to us. Now leave Revelation. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 18 through 20. And this is talking about Solomon's temple. How many you know that Solomon's temple speaking about a people? that are experiencing maturity that have joined the masculine and the feminine together that have created the throne that know how to rule over the lower thoughts and the five senses and the emotions and the intellect and the logic and the ego they know how to rule those things how do we rule those things well by yielding them it's a word that's not too well loved among christians today they don't want to hear about yielding but let me tell you it's all the way through the scriptures let this mind be in you Where should we let this mind be in us? In our brain. In our woman. In our left side. Put it on the mind of Christ. Where are you going to put it on at? In your brain. (laughs) In the feminine side. Now, when I used to teach 1 Kings 10, 18 through 20, I'm going to show you what I used to teach about that. And I am not throwing that out the window, but I'm simply saying there's a more excellent way of looking at it. There's a greater reality. And I still embrace what I taught about that, even though I see it now not as penal substitutionary atonement, but I see it as no penal substitutionary atonement. In other words, God didn't need to be appeased by killing his son or killing anybody. Right. He loved us. Yep. We were never separate from him. But anyhow, I didn't don't want to get off into that. But First Kings chapter 10 Verse 18, look what it says. In Solomon's temple, listen, we're we're the house of God. But let me share with you something a little bit greater than that. Here's the temple. This is your right temple. I think it's right. Yeah, this is your left temple. (laughs) Right? That's the temple. And when it's talking about the temple, it's specifically talking about our head. I mean, it really is. (laughs) It really is. So, look what it says here. Moreover, the king, verse 18 of 1 Kings 10, moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory. Now, you remember how we used to teach that? The crucifixion of Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus was a big death. See, because ivory has gotten out of what? Where do you get ivory? Out of a big animal, <laughs> yeah. out of an elephant. Yeah. So, the crucifixion of Jesus was a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Why? Because it exposed all the lies we yeah. embraced. We yeah. never were an Adam. We never fell in Adam. Right. But listen, when we came here, we embraced religion right. when we had that opportunity. And so we yeah. fell here in our yeah. awareness. Amen. We believe the lies. We embrace the lies. Yeah. Oh, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Oh, I need to get to the altar, and walk the green mile, and pray the sinner's prayer. And then Jesus is going to jump on the inside of me. Impossible. Right. <laughs> He's always been there. Yes. He's not wanting us to invite him into our heart. We're already in his. Yes. Doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. But I still embrace, I certainly always will embrace the death of Jesus and how it exposed the lies I had embraced. Yes. Yes. And his resurrection revealed the truth, not just the truth that was true at that moment, but the truth which was the truth from before the foundation of the world. Man. So let me read that again. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory, and overlaid it with the best gold. Now, your brain matter is the color of ivory. Yep, it is. Your brain matter is the color of ivory. It sure is. And then it says, and overlaid with the best gold. Do you know what color the outside of our brain is? Mm-hmm. Can't tell them here. It's gold. Mm-hmm. Wow. The outside of our brain is a gold in each color. And our brain matter is ivory. So right away, if I'm applying this in 1 Kings 10 to our physical anatomy, and specifically our brain, the right and the left hemisphere, that's what I'm going to come up with. Verse 19, the throne had six steps. Now, how I used to teach that was crucified, died, buried, quick, and raised, seated. And then if it was 12 steps, which you can find some 12 steps throughout the scriptures. It was crucified, died, buried quick and raised seated, crucified with, died with, buried with, quickened, with, raised with, seated with. Yeah. That's why I used to teach that. And it's still valid. It's still valid, very valid. We just see it more clearly now and we see the greatness of it As before, when we thought God was mad at us instead of madly in love with us, we said he had to kill his son and shed some blood. Listen, let me just say this. God does not. Our Father does not see us through any blood. He doesn't see us through Christ. We always were in Christ, but he sees us the way he brought us forth, which is upright. Okay, so the throne had, verse 19, six steps and the top of the throne was round behind. And there were, listen, there were stays on either side on the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the stays. Now, these six steps here denote that there are six main regions of the brain. Again, I'm gonna probably butcher these, (laughs) but they have a purpose in our lives. There are six transmitters that we have. Six transmitters. And this is what the six steps represent when you're taking it into our physical anatomy. The first one is the telencephalon or cerebral hemisphere. The second one is the diencephalon and it's the thalamus and the hypothalamus. The third one is the mesencephalon. <laughs> or the mid thalamus the next one is the cerebellum the next one is the pons, the last one is the medulla oblongate mm-hmm. and i'm going to teach on all of those i asked you you said yes if you yeah. wanted to go yeah. further yeah. so you're in for it yeah. i'm going to teach on all those but listen notice where it says that it's round on the top and the top of the throne was round behind <laughs> some translations say and behind. Your brain is round, folks. Yeah, yeah. It's round on the top and it's round behind. Yeah. So that's all we're going to be talking about. Now, look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. And 12 lions, there's your 12 cranial nerves, stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. So again, we can see that this allegorically. What we're reading here in 1 Kings chapter 10, allegorically, it depicts a people and the importance, once again, of joining the masculine principle with the feminine principle. The importance. It's just showing us the importance of that. Now, if I was just applying this, I shouldn't say just applying this, but if I was applying this to our feminine principle, I would say it in a little different way. applying it to the physical anatomy. Because to, to our Father, they're one. There's no separation whatsoever. Now, let me kind of change horses in the middle of the stream here. And let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. And let me just show you how this actually looks like. When the two, the masculine and the feminine, are joined subjectively. And it uses a word here that a lot of people have so taken out of context, yeah. and that's the word judgment. Yeah. Let me declare to you tonight, there will never, read my lips, no. <laughs> there will never, ever be a future judgment. Are right.
1: Right.
0: Someone says, you better be careful because, you know, you got people living like the devil out here and they need to be judged. No, yeah. God sees them the way he sees them. I tell you what, they have consequences, there are consequences, you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But as far as as the whole scheme is concerned, there is not a future judgment that people are going to be standing, you know, when they get to heaven, they're going to be standing before this great throne where God is seated and they're going to be judged from the judgment seat of Christ. Remember when I taught that on no penal substitution? Yes. I don't have that verse tonight, but I taught you on that verse that the word stand, would says stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word stand means keep your status. Yes. Wow. And it says that we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged according to whether we did good or bad in our body. But listen to what we're going to be judged according to, our status.
1: Our spiritual
0: status. Like I said, we got consequences. There are things we suffer when we do things that we shouldn't be doing when we're not led of the Spirit. But when it comes to the Father who is love and is life and is light, there is no future judgment. I'm going to give you a few scriptures on that. What is judgment? Well, first of all, let me say this: judgment means to separate truth from error. Mm. Judgment means to separate the truth from a lie. And it means to decide, it means to separate, and it means to make a decision. Like for example, in Hebrews 5.14, it says, strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised or stripped naked to discern or to judge both good and evil. So it's a decision as we join the two, as we yield what comes from the lower thoughts, from the foul thinking, yeah. What do we do? As we judge it as error, we make a decision then to yield it yeah. to the Christ mind. That's all that judgment is, folks. Yeah. Right.
1: That is all
0: in the world that judgment is. Yeah. Now let me read this, 1 Peter four seventeen. For the time has come, and I'm going to add some words, and now it is. Yes.
1: and always yes. was.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay? For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Now, that sounds real scary. The last part, where are they going to be if they never do any judgment or any proper discernment? Well, we'll talk about that later. But what is this talking about? It has to begin at the house of God. Hello, house of God. It has to begin... Right here, the temple, we have to make some decisions. We have to make some judgments concerning the thought. You know, it's really wild how people just let their mind just go any old way it wants to go. And I shouldn't say the mind, their awareness, go. You know, know, no no discernment or judgment whatsoever. And then they wonder why their life is hell.
1: Yeah,
0: right. Right? Because they don't make proper decisions. Now, listen to this. First, in fact, go to 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and let me just quote the first part here and then we'll read another verse. But it states that we judge angels. Ever read that? Yeah. We judge angels. What are angels? Well, the scripture talks about angels of light. What is an angel of light? What's a lower thought? It's a lie, Right? But then there are angels like you read in Revelation that are messages from God wow. and from the heavenly realm. Wow. So are you going to judge your angels or not?
1: <laughs>
0: are you going to judge your Amen. lower thoughts or are you just going to let your awareness go crazy Amen. with them? Oh, I had a horrible week this, all the gas prices, all this, all that, all the government. All, it's a mess. Well, if you're judging by the two eyes on top of your head, yes, it is a mess. But we're to judge it by the... What? The single lions in the whole earth full of the glory of God. Amen. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 6. Look at verse 2. That was verse 3. Look at verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Oh, wow. That's going to be fun.
1: <laughs>
0: Don't you know the saints are going to judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matter? Now, what does it mean to judge the world here? Well, go to 1 John 2, 16. I'll show you. What does it mean to judge the world? It means to judge the lust within. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, lust has always been interpreted as you know some sexual connotation of you know people doing wrong sexually. Well, it could be that, but it's more than that. It's being led by your five senses, yeah, strictly yeah, by your five yeah, senses. It's yeah, being yeah. led strictly by your intellect, your brain, your logic, your ego, yeah. your emotions. Mm-hmm. That's what lust is. Yeah. So if we're going to judge the world, look what it says about us judging the world in 1 John 2 and verse 16. It tells us what the world is. Now, Jesus said it this way, you're in the world, you're not of it. Yeah. We're not to be of the world. He also said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. Right. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Yes. What does that last part mean? Be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. You're not of the world. Right. You might be in it, but you're yeah. not of it. Amen. You're not of it. Amen. Now, 1 John 2, 16 tells us what the world consists of. And we're to judge the world. And it says, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh. Oh. It is. And the lust of the eyes. Oh, judging by my two eyes on my head only. The lust of the flesh is what? Being led by my five senses. And the pride of life. It says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So as Peter stated, judgment begins in the house of God. In us. And what does it mean? Someday it's going to come a judgment? Mm -hmm. No, not at all. It's talking about the fact that these thoughts that come... See, Eve, the woman in the garden, should have judged that lion flesh that talked to her. But she didn't. She partook Mm -hmm. of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, worse yet, gave to her husband. Mm -hmm. And he ate. Mm -hmm. And then God said, Who told you you're naked? Mm -hmm. You've accepted something into your awareness from the world, Mm -hmm. from the flesh, from, as it says here, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, you've received that into your awareness and believed the lie. Yeah. And you didn't judge.
1: Yep.
0: Now, go back to Luke chapter 6. I'm going to continue on this vein just a little bit. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. So, again, judgment is not some future judgment. Judgment is now. We judge the world. We judge the worldly thoughts. Right, exactly. You know, everyone in the world, nearly everyone in the world, Except for people who know better, they do what they live by their intellect. Look at corporations, look at businesses, they live by intellect, they live by logic and five senses and what their you know two eyes in their head dictate to them. So here in Luke 6:37, notice what it says: judge not and ye shall not be judged. What is it talking about? Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. This is talking about people. Mm -hmm. Judge your own stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Don't judge people. Amen. There you
0: go. Huh? Don't judge people. Don't condemn people. Right. Right. Forgive people. Be forgiving toward people. It's not talking about God not forgiving you if you don't forgive people. No, you you Let me go back to this just a little bit. God had no propensity within him since he is loved to ever hold anything against us through offense. Right? Right. Do you know the scripture in uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6? Do you know where it says there, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven? You know what it really says in the Aramaic? Let me think if I can get this right because I don't have it down in my notes. It says, if you don't forgive, God won't do it for you. You hear that? <laughs> yeah. If you don't forgive, God ain't going to do it for you. That's what the Aramaic says of that in Matthew chapter 6, where people have made us think, like, well, bless God, if we don't forgive, God ain't going to forgive us. Yeah. The, 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 God has no propensity to even have to forgive us because he wasn't offended in the first place kind't even anything that we've ever done. That's a good news now, folks. Amen. That's good news.
1: Amen. So
0: if you don't forgive, God ain't going to do it for you. <laughs> That's really what it says in the Aramaic. Now, John 7, 24 says this, Judge not according to the appearances, but judge righteous judgment. And then Romans 14, 13 says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In other words, once we take our eyes off of everyone, yes. yeah. off of everything in the appearance realm, yeah. get our eyes off of mankind and what they're saying and what they're doing, yeah. unless we do that, we will not, and we are not, experiencing subjectively the kingdom of God, right. which is righteousness, peace, and joy. Yeah. Amen. It's time, but it's yeah. right.
1: Yeah. Judgment
0: is for us, yeah. and it has to do See, if we want to experience the kingdom of God, we got to judge some stuff. Not people. we got to judge some stuff. Now, I know there are exceptions to every rule, and you have to make some decisions, and so you have to discern people from time to time, whether you want them in your life as a general rule, because perhaps, you know, they may have some, some energy and some vibrations that don't help you at all, that drag you down. I understand all that. There are exceptions to all of this. But what we need to understand is we need to be concerned about our own life yep. and less concerned about what people are doing and saying and how we're they are acting. I don't care if they're the biggest hypocrite in the world. Yeah, there you go. Actor on the stage of life. I don't care. I really don't care what it looks like. There again, we have we got, I had a lady the other day that uh, asked me a question. Uh, she's been you know, sending me private messages from time to time. And she's just beginning to come into some of this stuff. And she said, now, what am I, because I was talking about, and she was listening to some stuff that I was talking about, the appearance, or I'm not to you know, judge by the appearance. And, what am I supposed to do with people at work, she said, that act like the devil? She didn't use those words. but I said, look through it and see Christ. You don't have to agree with them. And she wrote back to me, and she said, I did that, and you wouldn't believe what happened. She didn't tell me what happened, but she said you wouldn't believe what happened. Well, yes, I would. <laughs> yes, I would believe what happened. Amen. Now, once we begin to see that the Ark of the Covenant is the brain, the two cherubim or the cerebrum. Now, I'm not taking away from what it meant to Israel and all of that, but I'm just simply saying if we're going to apply that to more than just the awareness, if we're going to apply that to our physical anatomy. It's the cerebrum of the brain. Once we see that the tabernacle of Moses, and the temple of Solomon, and the foundations, and the gates, once we apply them, yes, to our awareness and the process we go through to awaken, but once we begin to see that they can also be applied to our physical anatomy, it's going to do some things in our life. We're going to get a much better understanding of the throne and what the throne is and how we subjectively create the throne. And when the two are joined together, that's a throne. And it's a place where you can rule over the lower thoughts, the emotions, the five senses, the intellect, the logic, the reason, and all of Amen. that. Amen. Now, go to 2 Thessalonians two two second thessalonians and i know i'm hitting some scriptures that religion has just tore apart and made people fearful and ministered negativity too someone says don't you see anything that's going to happen that could be bad for people no only the stuff they bring up on themselves
1: yeah. yep.
0: as far as god is concerned i don't see anything Coming out of a God who is love, doesn't right. just have love, but is love, right. I see nothing, just like the book of Revelation, eschatologically, is taught that just scares people t- to death. Right. Scares people. You know, Ananias and Sapphira fell over dead, it wasn't because the spirit caused them to die. It was their fear because of what was spoken to them about holding back money.
1: Yeah.
0: It was their fear that killed them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse two had nothing to do with God. The flood had nothing to do with God. It says they were wicked people. They brought that on themselves. Yes. You know, what we see today as far as, you know, weather conditions, you know what it is? It's just... Spirit flowing through, mind of Christ flowing through our woman part. 2 Thessalonians 2.2. Now, this talks about the day of the Lord. How many know that in Revelation chapter 1, I think it's chapter 1, it says that John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, or the day of the Lord? That wasn't Sunday, folks. It wasn't Saturday or Monday or Tuesday. It was an experience he was having in spirit. Because he became spirit, and because he became spirit, he interpreted the words he was getting at the level of spirit. That's what the day of the Lord was. Now listen to this in 2 Thessalonians 2.2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind. Don't be troubled about this day of Christ, the way it's been taught. You know, that's, that's what it says in Matthew 24. You, there's going to be wars and rumors and wars. See that you not be shaken about it. Don't be troubled about that. Are we concerned about people like in Ukraine? Absolutely. And the best thing we can do for them is to see them whole and complete and see the whole earth full of the glory of God. That's the highest form of prayer we can pray for those yes. people. Mm-hmm. Highest form of prayer. Yep. Whether Rather than wallowing in all of that mentality yep. of war and rumors of war. Doesn't mean we don't care. We care enough to pray the highest form of prayer. Yeah. Let me get off of that. 2 Thessalonians 2.2. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So if judgment begins at the house of God, and if judgment is now, and if it's not some future judgment, What do we believe the throne of God is? What do we believe the great white throne is? What do we believe the judgment is? It's simply making a decision. I am not going to be lied to any longer. And if lies come, and they will. I promise you, they will. Go through a, you know, symptoms in your body, and they will come. I'll guarantee you, they will come. But the thing is, we don't want to give power to it by dwelling on it. Right. Yeah. We don't want to dwell. And let me just throw this out. You know, because people get so, you know, concerned about, well, you know, is it a lack of faith if I go to the hospital or the doctor? Absolutely. That has nothing to do with your faith or not having faith or having faith. Listen, you need to have more faith in the hospital than you do if you stay home and let God heal you or realize you're healing that you already are here. I'm telling you, I've been there and done that. Had nothing to do with a lack of faith because I went to the doctor and was in the hospital. Ephesians 4, go to Ephesians 4. So what was I saying? Judgment, the day of Christ is what? The day of Christ is this judgment that we're talking about. That when the lower thoughts come, we discern them and we yield them to Christ. We make a decision. That's what it means. And that's the same as the day of Christ or the day of the Lord that John was in. Now, here's another scripture that people would read and say, well, yeah, bless God, we did have an old man, and that's what was crucified at the cross, because his crucifixion was our crucifixion. Well, The old man is a metaphor for lower thoughts. It's all dust realm old man mentality and thoughts. That's what it is. Now look what it says in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation, which one of the meanings is your lifestyle. Now how are we going to put off some old lifestyle that we used to live? that you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Mm-hmm. And we found out what deceitful lusts are. We found out what is of the world. It's deceitful lust, private the lot, that sort of thing. Then it goes on to say, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind or the mind that's in your spirit.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Be renewed. See, this is why. Let me just say this. Romans 12, 2 says to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, listen, of your mind. Well, you only have one mind. Mm-hmm. So it's bringing the renewing mind to your woman. Yes.
1: Amen.
0: It's Amen. not the renewing of, like you have two minds, mm-hmm. so you're going to bring the Christ mind to your other mind. Right. No, you bring the renewing mind. Yeah. I did a post just recently about the one mind, and this is what I said in that post: You only have one mind, but you can allow that mind in your woman or in your awareness be inverted. Yes. Right. In other yeah. words, you can turn it kind of inside out.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's like the example I gave in Isaiah forty-five seven, where He created the light and brought forth the darkness. However, that reads he created the light i'm not sure how it reads exactly but he formed the light and created the darkness something like that and i gave the example how that there's only light and if i have electrical problem in my house and i don't want to call the electrician i want to fix it myself i can turn something that was beautiful into something that's ugly i can burn down my house so we have one mind the christ mind but in our awareness We can invert that if we choose to believe the lies and don't judge those lies. We can invert it, so it's not renewing of your mind, of and your are not in the original. So it's bringing the renewing mind to your woman, to your awareness. That's really what it's talking about. And then Philippians two five says it this way: Let, let, you have something to do with it. Let this mind. What mind? The renewing mind, the Christ mind, the pure mind that Titus talked about. Let this mind be, let it be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, there's another scripture. In fact, you're right. Are you still in Corinthians? No, you went to Ephesians, didn't you? Go back to 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. I would just quote this, but it's very important for you to see this. And I'm trying to come to a close here. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. It tells us there to judge nothing before the time and then it goes on to say until the Lord come now this is referring to to people but it can also apply to us as well telling us that we need to judge by spirit rather than judging solely by the appearance realm don't judge people until the time come or as it says there until the lord comes yes. don't judge people judge nothing actually before the time and the time is when the lord comes yes. now is that talking about him splitting eastern son and coming back on a white stallion no the lord come here
1: yes.
0: Yes. See, through the spirit of the lord
1: yes.
0: you judge things yes. now we can judge a lot of things According to appearances But when the spirit is raised up within us Till the Lord come yeah. Into that manifestation where the two are joined. We're not judging properly right. sure. We're not judging properly
1: right.
0: First Corinthians 4 4 says 1st Corinthians 4 4 says for I know nothing by myself Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. In other words, we are ruled by a higher authority when the two are joined together. What higher authority are we ruled by? The Christ mind. Right. Because we've created that throne.
1: Yeah.
0: And he sits on the throne. Yeah. And so therefore, then we can, we can discern, if it has to do with people, we can discern people properly. But when I'm talking about judgment, I'm specifically talking about judging the lower thoughts and those things that come, those lies that come. We need to judge them, and then we need to what? We need to judge them according to, is it error or is it truth? And then we need to make a decision that we're going to yield those lower thoughts to the Christ. Now, let me give you a parable in Matthew 25, if you'll turn there. In Matthew 25, there's this parable about the sheep and the goats, and oh how that has brought a lot of fear to people. Oh, he's gonna judge the sheep from the goats, and, and you know, the goats are gonna be going into an eternal conscious torment where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth forever. Oh, you're never gonna find that in the scriptures, I'm sorry. You're never gonna find that. If you if you want that, there's something wrong with you. That's messed up. That's royally messed up. So here, Jesus gives this parable of the separation of the, of the sheep and the goats. And remember I told you a long time ago that sheep represent thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have sheep thoughts or you're going to have goat thoughts.
1: Amen.
0: And then after this parable, he goes on and he talks about I was in prison and you you know visited me not and on and on and on. So there it's talking about a motive. Whatever, what are our motives, you see? So here in Matthew 25, it says there in verse 31, when the son of man now i'm going to paraphrase this as i go through this when the son of man or the truth of who you are when the son of man aren't you a son of god
1: Yep. Yep.
0: right and aren't we a part of humanity mankind so when the son of man or the truth of who we are shall come or shall be revealed to your understanding In his glory, the view and opinion of the Father, and all his holy angels, the pure thoughts of the truth, with him,
1: then shall he
0: sit or rule upon the throne of our awareness. Because we have created that throne subjectively of his glory. Verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations, all thoughts and imaginations are gathered. This is what we do when Revelation comes. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep, the higher thoughts from the goats, the lower thoughts or the lies in awareness, verse 33, and he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. So I guess I'm not as crazy as y'all thought I was talking about the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere, huh? <laughs> and then, you know, back in Jeremiah, he talks about... He talks about a vineyard and he talks about the vineyard being planted by the right side. And of course, this is the vineyard and this is the garden. So this parable here in Matthew 25 about the judgment or decisions that we make where lower thoughts are concerned is not referring to us being cast into a eternal, like a fire, if we're going to continue to live just from the lower thoughts. It's not talking about that whatsoever because look at verse 46. It says, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Now listen to this. Punishment means cleansing and correcting.
1: Wow, yeah.
0: These thoughts and our thoughts, if we don't judge them, and even when we do judge them and yield them to the Christ mind, what happens to them? They go into a cleansing or they go into a correcting. And listen, the word everlasting where it talks about everlasting punishment is simply aeonian, which is an age. It's not eternal and it's not forever. Mm-hmm. It's an age. Now, the old covenant was the age of Aries. During Jesus' day and ministry, it was the age of Pisces where there was a lot of duality. Mm-hmm. Now we are in the age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Enlightenment. The age of the feminine, where we realize what we need to do with the feminine. Amen. Yield, not submit, as to something greater, because they're just as this is just as Adam needed Eve, Eve needed Adam. They're just this is just a helpmeet, not lesser. Now the lower thoughts are lesser, obviously. The vain imaginations are lesser than the thoughts of the Christ mind, of course. But this everlasting punishment is just a cleansing. Or a correcting, as it says, an everlasting or Aeonian or age abiding correction. That's what it's talking about, an age abiding correction. So, there was correction under Aries, the old covenant. There was correction <laughs> when Jesus was, wa- he corrected them all the time, especially the religious people. But there's a specific correction in this age of Aquarius. So you can see the age abiding as the ages change. Mm-hmm. More and more correction. We become more Amen. sensitive to the correction. Yeah. Because yeah. we're really understanding some things. And as we read back in 1 Peter, when the revelation hits us. Let me go back to that. When the revelation hits us, 1 Peter. When the revelation hits us and the coming of the Lord comes here. Yeah. Then we began to. How did, how did that go? Let me go back to that. I was going to go back to that and reread that again. It's worth re- rereading that. Where was it? First, First Peter 4.17, I think. 1 Peter 4.17. There's Ephesians. I just want to read that one more time because that is so, how come I'm missing it? For well, the time has come for Joseph to begin
1: the house of God. Is that one? Yeah,
0: that one. That's our judgment. That's our judgment. Let me read it here. When the Son of Man, the truth of who we are, shall come, okay, is revealed to our understanding, that's Him coming. That's the Son of Man coming. It's Mm -hmm. revealed to our understanding. In His glory, the view and opinion of God, and all the holy angels, the pure thoughts with Him, then shall He rule. That's us ruling, you see, as the two are joined upon the throne, or our awareness of His glory. So what is that talking about? That's talking about something that is happening within us in yep. the lovely here and now. Amen. Yep. Now let me go back to let me go back to these twelve gates and these twelve foundations. In closing, here the twelve gates and the twelve foundations, as I said, represent when you add them together. Because when you're applying them to our physical anatomy, there are twenty-four cranial nerves. Okay, 24. When you add, when you put the gates and the foundations together, you see that it has to do with this right here, the right and the left hemisphere. Now, let me go back and let me talk about those just briefly, the 12, the 12 gates. And upon the 12 gates was written what? The 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And what I taught that as probably 20 years ago, I think that, I wish I knew when this chart was made. I think this chart was made 20 years ago oh, yeah. when I taught on the gates and the foundations. And what you see there on the gates is, first of all, Judah is the first one. And of course, we know Judah represents praise, but also the Christ mind. So what is that when we're applying it to our awareness? It's a process of awakening. Judah, we go through the process of Judah and Reuben and Asher and Naphtali and all of these 12 tribes. Judah being the Christ mind but being praised. Reuben being a son. And how many know it says that Reuben, he was unstable as water. That's why I put him down, you know, in the south of the five physical senses, the physical. Asher is happy. Um, how many know you've got to yield what makes you happy to Christ? Because many times we get happy with stuff that really have no substance whatsoever as far as our spirituality is concerned. Is so you gotta yield it. Nephtali, wrestling, you gotta, you gotta yield. See, so this is a process of you looking at this the way they're written here in Revelation 21. It's a process of awakening that we go through. We no longer wrestle, we rest. Yeah. Yeah. Manasseh means forgetting. You gotta forget the things of the past yeah. Yeah. and rest. Press, it says in the King James. Press for the mark of the prize of the high calling. Well, you rest for that. You don't press as in wrestling and fighting. Simeon means hearing. we got to hear. we got to yield what? The hearing with the two ears of our head. We've got to yield that to the one ear, the circumcised ear. And yep. on and on, yep. you can see Levi is ministry. You have to yield your ministry. have to yield ministry. Issachar means a reward. Are we in in this just for a reward? Zebulon is a habitation. Joseph means adding. Benjamin is the son of the right hand. But all of those tribes have to be yielded to to the Christ. And then when you look at the 12 foundations, the first foundation, and all of them have jewels. You can see the different jewels that, that are listed there. Jasper, Sapphire, Chalcedony, Emerald. All of those jewels will match up with one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Wow, yeah. You see, Peter, what did he preach? He's the first foundation. Repentance. That's what he preached. What is repentance? Drawing my thoughts from the realm of spirit.
1: Yeah. John
0: preached faith. What do we got to do with faith? Well, there comes a time you yield to the Christ mind and you come into a Knowing. James talked a lot about baptisms. Well, Hebrews chapter 6 says, leave baptisms. Some people are baptized in the water today and they've yet never been baptized. What do we have to do? Remember the five levels of consciousness that the Greeks had? They had earth and then water. Remember that? And And then air and then fire and then the Christ mind. So real baptism is taking the earthly lower thoughts, judging them and yielding them and allowing them to be baptized in the Christ mind. So this is all a process—the gates and the foundations—and then you have Paul. He talked about death, burial, and resurrection. What do we have to do with death, burial, and resurrection? We need to see the truth of death, burial, resurrection—not as a process or a means to appease a Father who was angry at us. Right. All of these have to be yielded. Thomas, the two becoming one—how do the two become one? By yielding. Matthew talked about judgment a lot. But it's not judging by the seeing of the eye and the hearing of the ear. We have to yield that judgment to the righteous judgment, to yep. the Christ mind. Andrew means fullness and manly. Levias, Thaddeus, Judas, praise and worship. Nathanael, purity. James, the son of Alphaeus, awareness of his image. Philip, an army of God. We yield all of that stuff. We're not an army of God. We're the people of God. Yeah. Someone says, well, the Bible talks about army. Of, armies fight. We're not in a fight right. hello i could go on and on with that Amen. simeon zelotes kingdom of god so when you're looking at this feminine principle and you're looking at the gates with the 12 tribes and you're looking at the foundations with the 12 apostles along with the jewels that will match up with what they preached then what you're seeing is a process of awakening that takes place when you're applying it to the woman here. You see a process of awakening that's taking place, but then you can turn that all around and you can apply it also to our physical anatomy. And when you apply it, because listen, the Jews, the Jewish people believe that there were at least 70 applications to the word of God. That's a lot, I can't think yeah. of 70. I know quite a few, but not necessarily 70. What am I saying by even making that statement? I'm simply saying that you can take the word and you can apply it to mentally, physically,
1: our masculine,
0: our feminine. You can apply it in many, many different areas. So let's not leave off applying it to the physical anatomy. That's all I'm saying. Let's look at how it applies to the physical anatomy. Because the physical body is just as important as the masculine principle. See, and this is our earth. This includes our body right there. And he wants the two to be joined. So he's saying something concerning our physical anatomy. By saying yielding, let's yield our earth, let's yield our bodies, let's yield everything. Let's yield our lower thoughts and vain imaginations. So, So I said all that to say this, in the gates and in the foundations, not only, is it a process of awakening that we go through in our woman, our feminine principle? But it also can be applied to the twelve foundations and the twelve gates, which adds up to twenty-four. The twenty-four cranial nerves and the function of those twelve or twenty-four cranial nerves. So there you have of the story for tonight
1: <laughs>
0: it's the end of the book of revelation chapter 21 for mind brain connection not sure where we're going to go next uh, we might do more in revelation then again we may not i have a few other things in uh, between my ears that we might go to and uh will just see how spirit leads but i hope that helped you and i want to speak tonight i want to speak tonight life Health. I mean, you know, he is the health of our bodies as us and so as I said earlier there are the 12 cranial nerves and if you had COVID and you still do not have your taste or your smell back, I want to speak to that. I want to speak and I do speak that the two nerves, cranial nerves that control taste and smell, that they be quickened yes. to life. Yes. And from this point on, you begin to taste yes. the way you were created to taste, yes. and you begin to smell the way you were created to smell. Yes. So I speak to the olfactory and the trigominal nerve, trigominal nerve, two of the cranial nerves, 24 cranial nerves, I speak that those nerves be quickened and made alive and that the very glory of god will consume anything and everything that brought about some damage to any of those nerves and that everything will be normalized
1: in the name of the lord amen Amen. 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 you can go ahead and turn it off